1: Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Sixth Form for Dumb Women. It's our 17th episode, so we only take the subjects we like now, and we spend most of our time hanging out in the common room. I'm your hostwoman, trying-to-be-cool Sixth Form tutor Hannah Varrell, and with me is, didn't-even-study-real-subjects, Alexandra Haddo.
0: Sports science and art are invaluable to society, huh?
1: And who gives a shit what sociology is? Carolina Donahue. It's the study of society, Hannah, and I'm in at least three secret ones, and not even the ones you think. How eerie. On with the show. This week we're studying food technology, textiles and advertising, which we still don't have any of. Which isn't a choice, by the way. Big brands, we are here. We are the last three women left. (laughs) (laughs) So this week, Alex, you're teaching us about something which actually you don't have to
0: wear in sixth form, which is tights. That's correct, Hannah, and I remember having many a bare leg, which was ill-advised, as I am translucent of skin. You are. You're just a bit of white paper on top of blue, aren't you? Yeah, so I look much better in a tight. Um, But the reason that I decided to do tights was that I was reminded of something that, when I was at university, my housemate, Dave, asked me and my girl pals, and uh, we were putting on all our tights before a night out one night uh, in the winter, and he said, are they, uh, can you reuse them? (laughs) And we said, what? He said, Yeah, tights. Are they you know, are they disposable? Are they one use? Oh my gosh. <laughs> I I wouldn't blame like a man for thinking I know. that. I then like, we all yeah. like laughed at him and stuff and then I was like, Men don't have to deal with tights. I mean, apart from if you're a ballet dancer or like Kanye West yeah. designing a Yeezy collection, sure. in which case it just looks like loads of tights got tangled in the wash and then he <laughs> put them on Found some models. And put them yeah. someone's someone, yeah. someone absolutely brilliant described that entire collection
2: as condoms filled with dog meat. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, that
1: basically. So did he think that you didn't wear pants under tights? Uh,
0: no, he he thought that they were just sort of like a... I, I imagine you're know, like those things that you used to wear under the, the balls of your feet for heels. Oh, Yeah. Uh, sometimes you could get expensive ones that you reused and then other times it was just like a sort of big plaster do
2: you know you. what in fairness to him he probably likened it to what he knew best which was condoms because it's kind of the same th- <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the like same snug fit isn't condoms it? <laughs> for your legs yeah condoms throw them away you don't yeah. reuse really a condom exactly not after you've I don't know what the leg version of ejaculating is <laughs> <laughs> Sweating? Sweated out of your feet, I mean, in yeah. fairness, they smell fucking gross after you've worn them. So they do. Maybe oh. they should be disposed
0: of. And also, they get holes in the toes after like two wears.
2: Oh yeah, especially if you never cut your toenails, if you're me. It's so oh. useless.
0: <laughs> so uh, when do you think... Uh, wait a minute. Who do you think invented tights? Ooh. I think it's a woman. I think it's a man. Ooh.
1: But it, would, it, was, it was like suspenders first, wasn't it? It was like just long socks. Yeah, and then they adapted to tights.
0: Well... I was researching this, and uh, at first, for once, I thought the Europeans had something on the first ever so thing. It,
1: w- it wasn't ancient Egypt.
0: It was ancient Egypt. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, Barking, uh, but it's really hot there. I don't oh, know they need tights for. What are they doing with
0: tights? I will tell you. So basically, uh, at first there was this site that said like they were worn by European men several centuries ago, right? You're you're all picturing oh at- yeah, of course, yeah, anyway, kind of a Mozart
2: type as well, yeah, and, yeah, all
0: in the tights, great. Um, and it was for practical reasons when they were riding horses. Fair you know, enough, you know, that's fine, makes sense. And it was, um, you know, it was seen as sort of a. A sign of wealth if you had a, a good pair of tights <laughs> for it still, a man. it still is. Have you yeah. seen those yeah. Woodford tights? They're like 20 quid a pop. Yeah, I know. No, Mental. thank you. No. Crazy.
2: You buy them when you're at, at Tesco along with your butter and oh, milk yeah. and stuff. Oh, yeah. 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 Absolutely. Pack four. Pop it in the trolley, pack a four, yeah. Because
0: if you're going to leave anything at somebody's house, it's going to be either a pair of tights or sunglasses. Do not invest in them. Yeah. And because it was such an intricate garment, you know, because back in the day they didn't have machines, it was, you, you know. had to have
2: that kind of fine sort of oh, knit right. I suppose, and, or whatever and it was. And they
0: sort of, you know, they had to be sewn together and they were very complex rather than just like a big old tunic t shirt, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no, of course. The earliest example of an item of hosiery was in Egypt. Jesus. When they dug up some woman's tomb and found some like mummified stockings in there with a, um, the old tart that she was. With a seam at the back and a bow at the top. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, Henry Holland collaboration. <laughs> also, what I wanted to bring up is, have you ever fallen asleep in your tights? When you've been oh, first?
2: don't talk to me. It's the worst in the world. It's...
0: The, what are the worst experiences of being a modern woman? I can't think of anything worse than falling asleep in your tights. It's You wake up and inexplicably your toes are like they've been cramped under some rocks. Yeah. It's horrible. Yeah. Your feet hurt. You, you're you inexplicably sweaty.
2: Oh, yeah. Fuck waterboarding. Make someone sleep in tights. That's, yeah. that's torture.
0: <laughs> it makes you feel like you've been compressed. And then yeah. I thought, how the hell does comp- do compression tights work? Oh. Are they the ones that squeeze you up
1: so you look skinnier? Uh,
0: no, they're the one. Well, you can get them for that, or you can wear them for sport, which is said to improve oh, your yes. performance. Oh, or nice. I was thinking of the ones that like old people wear on planes to prevent or the for varicose embosis. veins and stuff. Yeah, and stuff yeah. like that. Um, it seems a very tenuous thing, so I looked into this, and everything was like, oh, they improve your circulation, which which regulates your temperature, and they also squeeze the leg tissues and walls of the veins uh, to help. Uh, blood returned to the heart, and they, can, oh, and they can also improve the flow of the fluid that bathes the cells, referred to as lymph, in the legs. So it prevents like lymphedema and swelling of the legs and stuff like that. But I was like, I still don't understand it because the tights aren't moving. <laughs> yeah, but they're just compressing you very gently.
1: Uh, yeah, but then, yeah. but
0: if they're staying still, how are the how does the blood
1: go faster? No, I, well, you're, everything's squashed up inside though. It's like you're like a sausage in a
0: tube. So, it can't pool in your legs, I guess, maybe. Is that? Yeah. I don't know, really. Well, they do work anyway, but very strange. I think, um, you know how people always say that you know
2: that you're in a good place in a relationship if you're like farting in front of them or if you're pooing in their house or yeah. whatever? I think one of the milestones of that is putting on your tights in front of someone yeah. that you've just left with because you look so mad putting oh, them on. You're yeah. like, <gasps> yeah. <laughs> I remember the first time Gavin saw me put on tights, he said I was like a snake trying to put himself in a sausage casing. <laughs>
0: exactly what it's like I did it once in front of this guy that I really fancied when you're just overthinking the simplest of movements oh, you like, oh, oh, no. how do I clap my hands I can't like remember you're, you're even
2: brushing your hair like an illustration of a woman
0: <laughs> you're like
2: putting your hair to one side and like combing with a panel brush thinking of your dreams yeah.
1: like, 100
0: you know. times and then I will find a husband <laughs> And you start saying phrases when you really fancy someone as well that you've never said before in your life. You'll be like, oh, Jesus wept. What? I have said that. Anyway, yeah, you're overthinking it. And I was, uh, yeah, I really fancied this guy and he was watching me put on a pair of tights and then I started doing the hop. No. Oh. That's,
1: when, that's when, you know, you're really under pressure, isn't it? When yeah. you don't sit down to put them on. Yeah, like exactly. You yeah. You, you, you,
2: Come on you used to roll them at the toe first, aren't you? That's what I do. Oh, yeah, yeah. When I, try to, it, when I tell myself I need
0: boring, to do. It's boring, but
1: it works. Yeah. yeah.
0: But trying to get them off for sexy time as well can also be a nightmare mm. and very unsexy because you have to like peel them down then often they get caught on your foot um, <laughs> and then you have to like take them off this really horribly. Is
2: definitely over the top and I will probably edit this out later <laughs> but I once went out with a guy who um, like his one of his like fantasies that he wanted to do was um, fishnets, right? Fishnet tights. Fine. He wanted to sort of like cut through them and Oh Yeah, which you know, fair enough. If, if you're gonna have a fantasy, that's a fine one. Okay. And he was kinda heartbroken when he realised that like you know, it doesn't it's not fishnet all the way up mostly, it's kind of like, <laughs> oh. it's, like it's like a knicker isn't There's it? And gusset, then yeah. <laughs> and oh. it was like, when I told him that he was like, Oh, I've just told you my fantasy and you've ruined it. You've <laughs> <laughs> ruined it on a technicality oh. <laughs> I'm sure he's fine now.
1: Yeah. I'm sure someone has invented fishnet tights with fishnet all the way up. Like, there's loads of things. Oh, definitely. There's loads of, like, weird, sexy things. You can get underpants made of sweets. Like, I know. you can.
2: If def- you can get underpants made of sweets, you can definitely yeah, get yeah. fishnets that are put all the way I mean, if you're not, up. Into them, you're
0: not that you're not going to source some tights so he can shag you through them, are you? Yeah, no. <laughs> do you anyway. want to hear my top three tight facts? Always. Well, you're in the right place. <laughs> Take them off. Because, do you know why? They're not recyclable, lads. Oh. You oh. know how I feel about recycling. Yeah, it's, it's nice. passion project. Yeah. 2 billion pairs are produced each year and they're not recyclable. Or is that 1 billion a leg each? I don't know. Is is a tight one leg or is it tight? Yeah, is it like sheep, like the plural of tights is Is, tights? The singular
2: of tights is tights.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because if it's like 1 billion a year, then that's probably fine, you know, environmentally. So, great. Since 1995, women's hosiery sales have dropped 70% which I would say Kate Middleton has contributed to because why is she wearing that god-awful skin-coloured tight when she's under the age of 70? But men's hosiery sales have increased. Oh. Is that like long johns? I guess maybe, yeah.
2: I got Gavin some long johns as part of like a gag gift because I was taking him to Iceland for his 30th. Oh, they're so, actually quite sexy. So I was like, long johns as like the, the clue to like we're going to Iceland. Oh, great. And then he was like, these are the best gift I've ever gotten. Yeah. <laughs> these are better than yeah. the trip to Iceland. Yeah. Yeah. My
0: ex-boyfriend, Sash always wears long johns and swears by them and everyone rips him, but... He loves them. They I mean, are, they're just they comfy a trousers. Sexy, aren't they they actually. are actually quite sexy. Yeah.
2: Yeah. When like, if if they're wearing like, some black long johns and they've got yeah. like, their black little t-shirt tucked into it, and you're like, oh, you're like a little ballerina,
1: a <laughs> <laughs> little sexy Barishnikov, <laughs> point your toe.
2: <laughs> I don't care that I'm not learning anything about tights because I'm having a good time.
0: <laughs> um, and what I wanted to end on, maybe maybe I'm just uh, feeling very horny at the moment, but. <laughs> That's not it. That's not just my final bit. Um, Is that In in episode 15, I talked about uh, keys and we got into locksmith porn. Yeah. And wouldn't it be sexy if a sexy locksmith came around and helped you get into your house and then maybe got into your tights? So some fishermen sport tights to help protect against jellyfish stings. And then I just got this image of like a merman in tights, like <laughs> Do diving. Mermen not have legs. No, sure, no, they're not like me. terrible. <laughs> no, just ha- like a- they just like have their fins in like one side, and then not <laughs> just hanging off.
1: Them. <laughs> yeah, really, fantasy, Anna. I don't
0: know why these have two legs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, one of them is just like his pack lunch in his spare leg. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, uh, no, like human men, but wearing a tight, but like with a with a great strong upper body, like diving down to fish and being protected from the jellyfish basically I got off on the image of a fisherman earlier today guys
2: oh you mean a fisherman rather than a merman
0: not a merman yeah a human man in yeah. sort of sexy tights, diving for f- and catching fish with his bare no? hands. Oh yeah, do you know okay. what? I just I
2: just wish men were more comfortable with wearing tighter clothing.
0: Yeah, do you know what I mean? No, I don't like the kind
2: of skinny jeans. I can see your balls through that sort of look. But no. in general, kind of lycras. And, yeah, and I quite like, like
0: the leggings yeah. under a sports short on a man. Yeah, yeah. into yeah. it. Yeah.
2: I don't like the sort of um cycling later hosen you see in some of them.
0: No, no. I think we all know that, you know, what tights are acceptable and what aren't. And yeah, without even having to discuss it, really. Yeah. We know which are the sexy ones and which are not. Yeah. yeah. So, guys, if you're interested, we will give you a comprehensive list. Please do tweet us <laughs> at dumb women Pod. All right.
1: So this week at the School for Dumb Women, we all unfortunately have a problem. And Caroline, I can see you've been itching your head. Yeah, it's embarrassing. A little bit. But actually, it's not knits, is it? Actually, Hannah, it's not nits. It's bugs. That's right. This week, we're diving into the murky world of bug hunters. Have you guys heard of bug hunters before?
0: Is that Steve Irwin? Is he a bug hunter?
1: In the early levels of Pokemon,
2: all the uh, trainers were bug hunters and you could fucking eviscerate them.
1: Well, let me tell you what it is. It's not Steve Irwin and it's not Pokemon. Actually, it's a program where a big website or software developer will give money to anyone who finds a bug in their system. And a bug is essentially just a fault, something that has gone wrong. So for example, if a smart man finds that if he holds Command Shift and B-A-B-E on Caroline O'Donohue's best Facebook selfie, he gets taken to private sexy holiday pictures. Uh, So then that man can contact Facebook and say, excuse me, this is an invasion of Caroline's personal property and you need to fix this bug before someone of lesser morals finds them and misuses them.
2: Hannah, I find it personally offensive that you think that a man would see my naked selfies and wouldn't wank immediately. (laughs) And it makes me think that you don't appreciate or respect me as a sex object.
0: I'm sorry, Caroline, I'll do better in the future. If it makes you feel any better, I had a wank over them. Oh, love.
1: That's what friendship is, Hannah. (laughs) Sick. And of course, this also means that Facebook or whatever company it is can fix the problem before everyone starts exploiting it and wanking over Caroline's holiday pictures.
2: Yeah, well, another bug is um, actually most cheats in video games start off as bugs. Um, so one of the most famous bugs is in The Sims. If you type in Rosebud, you can give all your Sims loads and loads, and loads of money
1: before you murder them.
0: I did not know that. Also, mm. isn't Rosebud like a synonym for a bumhole?
1: Oh, oh isn't it? I believe it is, yeah. So guys, it is pretty straightforward, really. Um, the coding nuts try to find bugs in big website software, and if they do, they win some money, which is motivation to keep finding the bugs, and it's good for the companies because it means they can fix them. Uh, but what I want to know in today's Women Who Code Mixer is, how can we, as hashtag Women Who Code, use bug bounty programs in our everyday lives? For example, if I set up a bug bounty program, it would be that every time someone told me I had food in my teeth, I would give that person 50p. Oh, or
2: similarly, if like your top was inside out and everyone could see the tag that says like children's size small,
1: um, that would be worth 80p. Yes, or maybe even a pound. A pound? Yeah, because I mean, if it was out all day, that's pretty I suppose you're saving
2: money anyway buying in the
1: children's department. Oh so, yeah. yeah, I'm fine.
2: <laughs> I'm doing great. <laughs>
0: Well, my friend once found a bug in his packet of hula hoops, and then the hula hoop company paid him a hundred pounds and gave Ooh, him some free hula hoops. So That's wow. quite a good bug bounty program. Mm. Quite lucrative. Very much. So, so I'd probably, I'd probably set up something like that.
1: So yeah, that's a, uh, that's what bug bounty programs are. Very simple, very quick. On with the show. All right. <laughs>
2: So Hannah, it's customary at the School for Dumb Women that every few weeks we sort of abandon any pretext of comedy and get very, very intense about something that secretly governs all of our lives. Uh, We've done Loans, Alex covered, which is great. I did a now Pulitzer winning Mm. uh, segment on Gwyneth Paltrow and how she controls us all. And you are doing advertising.
1: I am doing advertising this week, Caroline, and it's because I've been watching Mad Men. And you may Mm. have gathered that already from the various Mad Men references that I've made already in the podcast. See, I've
2: never seen Mad Men, so I just assumed you were really smart and sexy.
0: Oh, really? And you are sitting here in a full velvet suit.
1: (laughs) It's true. Smoking a
0: cigar (laughs) (laughs) with a small glass of whiskey. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just relieved because when you said it was about something that secretly governed us all I thought your segment was going to be on Tom Cruise Mm. oh yeah yeah, he's pulling the strings we'll all be working for him one day
1: (laughs) yeah so I wanted to talk about adverts uh, just because I thought like surely there must have been the first advert at some point you know if anything exists there was always a, a first of it
2: I feel like the bible is just packed with product placement isn't it there's like olive branches they get a mention. The olive oh, oil companies must oh, love that. True. Unleavened Bread. That's true. Wine. Wine. Yeah,
1: Echo Blossom Falls. Blossom
2: Hill. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like, only wines that are sponsored friends can yeah,
1: sponsor yeah. the wine So you would say that's when the first advert was made? That was the first advert?
2: I do know that whenever I read Exodus, I get very hungry for flatbread, yeah.
1: Alex,
0: when do you think the first advert was made? I think the first proper advert was made in... Ooh, I'm thinking t- of TV advert, but I think the first ever advert was made in 1792.
2: What are you basing that on?
0: Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, our friends in ancient
1: Egypt actually oh, make, it oh, <laughs> fuck fuck make it a return. The Were ancient they advertising Egyptians. tights. <laughs> they used papyrus to basically make messages and like put them up on walls, like wall posters and things like that. Oh yeah. Um, also in Pompeii. Ancient Rome, lots of advertising on papyrus uh, or painting on the walls or like on
0: the rocks and stuff. Buy um, your volcano tent. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, and then in Europe, in like the Middle Ages, obviously people kind of couldn't read, there was lots of illiteracy. And so they would just have like signs for shops. So they'd just have like a shoe or a horseshoe or like a hat. And you'd be like, ah,
2: mm. they
1: sell hats.
2: Yes, and but. one of the ones of those that has survived is the um, the barbershop thing with the red and white, the red and white candy stick. Oh, yes. yeah. Yes. Which is, um, represents blood and
1: foam.
0: Oh. Mm. Yeah, it's a bit Sweeney Todd, isn't it? It
1: is, yeah. It's creepy. Yeah, good knowledge. Another early type of advertising, obviously, town criers. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just, just shouters. Just going around being like, oh, yay. It's 50% off online with the code. <laughs> Dumb women.
2: That was like uh, the earliest form of like... Fucking social media manager, no, wasn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wait,
1: ta- what? The town criers shout. They have a bell. Here but they what do they shout. But what do they shout? Like you know, town meeting at eleven o'clock on Sunday after uh, church, things like that, or like if there was you know just like big announcements, like the king will come to town in a week's time. Oh right, okay. So was that a paid position then, or was it just yeah? I of? No, I think it was like working for the council. Like, and did you have to have like a lot of charisma? I guess so. Yeah. Otherwise, why would people listen to you? Do you reckon you got free hall soothers with that job? <laughs> Maybe they're sponsored by hall soothers. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I thought that was quite cool. Also, I found online a thing that said, Criers were not always men. Many town criers were women.
2: Oh. oh. But what about the tone of their voices is too high? I know. What if
1: they're most vocal fry? <laughs> oh my god historic vocal fry
0: they were called yeah. town cry hers <laughs> they distinguished,
1: yeah and then advertising um, obviously when printing started to happen and there were like newspapers and leaflets and things people got on board with that pretty quickly um, so it was in the 19th century in uh, England that print advertisements started to come about and that's kind of when you had all the false advertising and quackery all those weird like mm-hmm. little posters you see that are like Oh, my medicine juice will cure your impotence and make your baby stop crying. <laughs> and um, I guess eventually, I didn't look this up, but I guess eventually some kind of
0: Ofcom thing came in and was like,
1: Yay. you can't
0: prove that. I don't think that's correct. Um, the weirdest adverts I think that are around ever are American medication adverts.
1: Oh, they're creepy. Yeah. Yeah. Because so they have to have creepy. so many disclaimers on the yeah. end and they have to say all of it. They, they have say to say it, it so out loud. Fast. Yeah.
0: But it's like there was one for a depression medication and it was like, may induce suicide, may cause depression, may cause anxiety. Please do not eat grapefruit when consuming this. And that was, apparently that's the thing for like mental health medication is, is grapefruit can react really badly with it. God, can we do an
1: episode on grapefruit? Yeah. Because yeah. also
0: they're disgusting.
1: Oh, They, they are taste, disgusting. They taste
0: like washing up liquid.
2: Yeah. yeah. And they also have a kind of a sweat taste, don't they? They just oh, like licking
0: yeah. an iron armpit. They're disgusting.
1: Awful. Grapefruit juice, also awful.
0: They could do with a big advertising campaign because otherwise they're going to die out. Yeah. So that was kind of how newspaper
1: adverts came about. The first one was in 1836 in in France. La Presse was the first to include paid advertising in its pages. Obviously, that meant it could lower the price of the paper as well, which increased its readership. It was all around a very good idea. Um, TV adverts as well. Guess when the first TV advert was? I'd say very shortly after the invention of TV. So like 1950s? I'm
0: going to say 1960. It's actually 1941, oh, oh. which is way
1: earlier than I would have thought. And it was in the US and it was during like a baseball match or it's something. It was probably the Super Bowl, let's face it. <laughs> oh, it probably was, yeah. And it was a an advert for a watch. And then in the UK, the first advert came along when ITV came along. Of
0: course it did. Obviously. What was it, like the very first series of X Factor? That well, it feels <laughs> like how long it's been going. Yeah, 1955. Yeah. Simon Cowell's just a fetus <laughs> 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 on the on the
1: chair exactly. smoking. <laughs> yeah, it was a toothpaste advert, so it was very nice. And there was loads of controversy about it. And a Labour MP said that actually having adverts on TV was disgraceful because it would make people buy things that they couldn't afford. <gasps> and it's like, that's the whole point of advertising, though, yeah. isn't yeah. it? Like, TV adverts aren't going to change that. That's she happening was, already everywhere
0: else. She was onto something.
2: So at what point, Hannah, did advertising go from this thing that we were supposed to be wary of to something that we... I think people would just accept and embrace advertising in a way now.
1: Yeah, you know completely. You and I was thinking as well, there's so many adverts from like your childhood which you remember really fondly. And actually, it's like, but that was literally just designed to make you ask your parents yeah. for stuff like Frosties. I loved the Frosties at first. Yeah, and you really identified with those characters.
0: Yeah. yeah. Do you think yeah. kids in the future will be like, oh, remember that hashtag Spawn post right. that, that <laughs> fashion blogger did? Those, yeah. were the days. Yeah, those were the days. <laughs> loved those.
2: Weirdly, um, I was watching, like, real-time TV for the first time in ages because generally I watch stuff on demand or whatever. Um, and there's so much TV advertising now that is, like, aiming itself as like meta or post advertising yeah it's all of like we could tell you this could save your life but we know you're not stupid it's like a lot of that
1: stuff yeah like oasis has this whole thing of like oh just buy our drink because that's our job and it's (laughs) i (laughs) I kind of of like how oasis do it though i think it's interesting yeah it's quite cool but yeah no and the whole thing about um obviously there's loads of adverts that just dead annoying especially for like insurance and things like that and that's obviously just like I mean it's, it's completely obvious but it's just so they're memorable. Go compare. Yeah, yeah. that's oh been the, one of the most complained about adverts the one with the guy with the bum and he's, like, twerking or something. Oh, I hate that's, that. That's Yeah, one, but isn't you remember it? it. Those ads that try and
2: do, like, a viral moment are so fucking annoying. Yeah. Like, you can tell, like, oh, and they put the hashtag on the screen and everything. Ever since Compare, the meerkat happened. They've, everyone's trying to emulate that oh, success. Definitely, I was about definitely. to say,
0: like, stop flogging the dead meerkat. Yeah. Like, get over it. Um, the other thing I wanted to talk
1: about as well was product placement. Mm. Like, it actually happens more these days because we can skip adverts, so if you record something on your box or like, yeah, you yeah. y- you can skip through the adverts and people know that. And so they're like, well, shit, we've got to get our cornflakes in the Yeah, in, it happens in a in lot show. in
0: Made in Chelsea a lot. Yeah.
1: And on like um on like so- soaps and stuff, oh, really? like Hollyoaks, I think. Not that I've seen it. Oh, I watch it every day, <laughs> and it's it's so weird. Product
2: placement I because you always know when it's happening badly. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Like when you're, especially um, if you watch like a really like high budget Hollywood movie, like a Bond movie, and then he's like picks up his like Samsung or whatever. Yeah. And you're like, oh, well, sh- he's stop like it.
1: shaving with a Gillette razor, and it yeah. like, focuses on the yeah. It's just like
2: it, it really like it com- it really annoys me because it takes you out of the narrative of the film totally.
1: Yeah, but there are actually rules. I looked this up up on the Ofcom website that product placement can't be too obvious, it can't look like the product is being
0: advertised, but I think often it does. Oh, especially yeah. in James Bond, because I think I think that was the biggest product placement
1: sort of
0: production right, uh, of all time, I'm pretty sure, because oh, really? they had so many deals on in it, like Aston Martin, Samsung, like you say, Gillette, stuff like that. I don't know if those are the actual brands, so mm-hmm. don't sue me, but, um, but Aston Martin is, obviously. Yeah. Um, but it was insane, like his suits, everything was was product placement. Yeah. One of the, yeah. one of
2: the big product placement moments I remember from the early 90s was um do you remember the red Nokia phone? Yeah. I had that phone. And Lara Croft had it in Tomb, Tomb Raider. <gasps> that was like her phone. I didn't know that. Yeah, I remember that being like, oh, Lara Croft phone. It's
1: I would weird. have thought I was so much cooler. My self-esteem <laughs> would have been through the roof. I'd be a different person
0: today. <laughs> God. My um it's so good when they do, like, bad product placement when it's too obvious. It's the equivalent of, like, when someone gets engaged on Facebook and their hand's just, like, on their face, like, so unnaturally. Yeah. Like, <laughs> oh, having a lovely holiday with this yeah. giant ring that I'm putting over the top of my head oh, on my hand. Yeah. Or when people
2: are trying to make a thing of like making it a secret engagement we haven't told anyone yet, but they keep posting pictures where their hands are evident.
1: It's like, yeah. girls, stop. And then they're like, <laughs>
0: we waited 12 hours like, to post this. You
1: were asleep. <laughs> uh, one product placement fact I'd like to tell you. Go on. Uh, the first product placement is believed to be in the book Around the World in 80 Days. And what was the product? A balloon. (laughs) (laughs) Literally the only thing I know about that is
2: Phileas Fogg and the balloon.
1: Yeah, well, no, it was uh, because it was all about transport and shipping companies and they were mentioned in the story. Of course. But there's no confirmation whether he was actually paid or not. But um, yeah, that was in 1873. (gasps) Ages ago. We've all been duped. We've all been had all this time.
2: All my continued readings of that book are now ruined.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so you're meant to you're meant to put a little logo on actually on the uh, when you start the program, which I've never seen. Yeah, have that's on made that? that's on
0: made in Chelsea. That's is why it? I know.
1: Yeah. Wow. Okay, I'm going to look out for that. Yeah, it Basically, is. Basically, I think uh, product placement is the way forwards and we're never going to know if anything's real anymore. Great. Nothing's real. Nothing, Nothing is, real. is real.
0: Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost fifty pounds.
1: So Caroline, your segment this week kind of follows on from mine in a strange, continuous, coherent way, which we don't normally do on this podcast. (laughs) That's right. I'm
2: I'm talking about a subject very close to my heart, which is Guinness. Um, So I've been in Ireland for the past week. Uh, trying to tell the difference between mist and drizzle mm-hmm. And uh, one of the things I was doing When I wasn't staring out a caravan window Was drinking a fuckload of Guinness Yeah, uh, I guess I have one of those weird relationships with it Because uh, it's a bit like you know red wine or dark chocolate Like For years and years and years I was like, oh it's disgusting, who drinks that? And then one day I was in Ireland Like home for Christmas or something And I was like, oh I really fancy one out of nowhere And ever since then, that's about two years ago Now I drink basically nothing else I really love it, um, but it's weird, isn't it? because it's more than any other drink in the world, it's a drink that you associate with Ireland, yeah, like you got kind of, you associate vodka with Russian people, but you don't go like a specific brand of vodka really, like there's so many that's you know true because I mean? there
0: are
1: other there are other like stout drinks that are really similar to
2: Guinness, yeah, really similar oh, so yeah. Guinness
0: is a stout
2: it is it's a stout or it was originally called a porter. Which uh, I mean, if you want to be a massive nerd, you could. There's like tiny differences between them, but right. Stout and Porter are basically the same thing. And they di- Guinness differs from beer in that it's like it kind of it's like a roasted malted barley. Um, so it kind of gets that chocolatey flavor because it's kind of it's roasted like a coffee bean is. Is or? that why it's so dark as well? It is why it's so dark. Yeah, it's because of the the roasting and the malt. And for many years, a portion of like the, the they used to get like old Guinness and mix it with new Guinness. Um, to kind of give it that sort of sour taste.
1: Oh, like sourdough.
2: That's what they yeah, do. Yeah, like a like, sourdough, uh, yeah.
0: yeah. Is it?
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Ew. I'm just um, thinking of like the drip tray because I've worked in a lot of pubs. Oh, oh, nasty. Yeah, that is Ming.
1: Caroline, when can I say my facts? You can say your fact right now if you'd like. My fact is that the bubbles on Guinness are smooth and creamy because they're nitrogen. yeah, they carbon dioxide. Very good. Listen back to episode, I can't remember the number... Uh, when I talked about fizz, to know yeah. more. Yeah,
2: that was your most excited episode, wasn't I it? I was so
1: excited. I still. You almost fizzed yourself in yeah. that one. <laughs> Um, so
2: anyway, to give you a brief history, there's so much to cover with Guinness um, that I'm just going to fly through. It was created by Arthur Guinness um, in 1778. Arthur Guinness was an Irishman. He was born around 1725-ish, but the Guinness Company essentially gave him that birthday because like, he was just like a the son of a tenant farmer, so no, oh. nobody was writing down his oh. birthday. I know, yeah, he really kind of came from nothing. Um, so they just sort of like gave him that birthday in 1991 so they could come up with Arthur Guinness Day, which is... Considering they only came up with it, like, 10 years ago. Um, they, they gave him the birthday in one and they came up with Arthur Guinness Day, like, in 2005. And now it's already a huge deal in Ireland. Like, really? Like, people celebrate it like it's St. Patrick's Day, and like Aww. we've been celebrating it forever, which is very strange. But he's dead. He wouldn't know. He's super dead, yeah. yeah. So he was born in 1725. Oh, very dead, yeah.
0: Very, very dead. Or is he dead? Maybe they've just made that up. I mean,
2: <laughs> who knows? If anyone
1: would have their head frozen, it's probably him.
0: Yeah.
2: Defo. And, like... To be honest, there's so much about Guinness as a company that is cloaked in mystery. Like even now, they're very secretive as to how they make their.
0: Ooh, I like it. Yeah. Like the Gringotts of. It's foods.
2: very Gringotts. See, Guinness. that's
1: interesting because I went to Dublin and I went to the Guinness factory, and now I can't remember any of how Guinness was made. And yeah. maybe that's why. Maybe just I like, was brainwashed on the way out.
2: They were just like doily doily doy. Here's a poem doily doily" yeah. And then like
1: not- told you nothing. There was yeah. a big fountain thing, which I think just distracted me. I was like, that was a great factory, but I didn't <laughs> learn. But what
2: did what did you learn? um so yeah he he makes Guinness he buys a massive brewery gets married to this one called Olivia Whitmore he has 21 kids no. No. yeah he's always featured on lists of famous people with other kids <laughs> which is weird um and you know it's it's immediately very very popular um and in general uh Porter and stout is incredibly popular in Ireland. And in the UK in general because it keeps for a long time. It's, it's oh. much more durable than beer. It keeps for a very long time. It travels very well. Um, it's not as susceptible to heat as the other ones. So it was perfect really because uh, it was being sent to all these kind of very rural places in Ireland. And like it kept for such a long time. that You could like have a load of it. You could buy in loads of it and it wouldn't go off or anything. Right. So that was probably instrumental to its popularity. I couldn't find a lot about why out of all the stouts and porters... It, it yeah. became so huge, other than like.
0: Maybe it's just the nicest one.
2: Maybe it is just the nicest one. Yeah, there doesn't seem to be any like proper explanation as to why Guinness, above all the other ones, is so good.
0: Maybe it's the fucking adverts.
1: I think it could be the adverts. Yeah, I was just going to say because it's, it's got such strong branding that when you think of like, when you see a dark drink with a white foamy top, you think Guinness. Yeah, You're not You're not gonna you don't think, think it's anything. You're not, oh, generic
0: dark stout.
1: <laughs> like, it's yeah. Guinness. Yeah.
0: Do you remember those things that used to happen in like the late 90s, early noughties? Every like Friday and Saturday night, Channel 4 went through this thing of like top 100, this top 100, like top moments of the 90s, top moments of the 80s. Oh, oh, I'm sure there's, there's so many like yeah. countdown shows. Yeah. And one of them was uh, top 100 adverts of all time. And number one was the Guinness one, the White Horses, where he goes, he waits. That's oh, what he does. It's such a good ad though. Tick follows top. And then it goes, dum, 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 dum. And, he, and he starts surfing. Oh, cool. It's so, yeah. it is really
2: good. All the Guinness advertising is very, very good, which is why it's so surprising that um, until 1876, like it's almost like 100 years after Guinness is created by Arthur Guinness, um, they refused to do any advertising or give any discounts. And despite that, it soared in popularity, like globally, it became this big colonial export. Wow, because it wow. was like slightly luxurious, maybe. Yeah, they were, maybe. Like, Ooh, yeah, don't, like, don't, don't cheapen advertise. yourself. It's very funny because like, it's always been like this weird hipster drink even before the concept of hipsters really existed. So in 1959, this guy called Paul Jennings, he called it the, the, the drink of the iconoclast. And he says, The great Irish mystery and paradox, the light froth from the unimaginable dark heart of the liquid, the light from darkness, like the laughter and wit that well up from the Irish soul itself.
1: Oh. I feel like you're... I mean, you're Irish, but you're also doing an Irish accent when you read that. I know. Yeah, I can't stop. I now <laughs> want to
0: date a pint of Guinness. <laughs>
2: um, yeah, no, it was weird because like the cult of Irishness globally kind of went hand in hand with the cult of Guinness globally. Yeah, It's very strange, though. Like, I suppose because um, there was such a huge immigrant population who were you know, going all over the world, like there would always be a demand because there would always be Irish pubs. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Like
0: You can go absolutely... Anywhere in the world, and there will be an Irish pub. Yeah, yeah. literally I mean, anywhere. I'm talking like last year and this, at the beginning of this year, I went on uh, what I called my wanky travels. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was on a tiny island with no roads and everything was horse and cart. There was yeah. an Irish pub. Well, of wow. course there was. Of course in Indonesia. There was. Jesus. You are everywhere.
2: But the weird thing about the Irish, uh, the Irishness of Guinness generally is that, like, politically, it was horrible to so many Irish people for a really long time and this was one of the things I love this drink so much and it was really hard to grapple with because um I I won't get into it massively here but you guys know that there's been a long 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 struggle between Protestant people and Catholic people yeah. in Ireland um and that was mostly due to the fact that the Protestant people tended to be descended from English or were English mm. uh, planters so It wasn't really about religion as much as it was about class. Um, But the Guinness family were very much on the side of the English. They were very much against Irish independence. They were unionists all the way um, to the point where Arthur Guinness himself directly opposed any movement towards Irish independence. And before 1939, if you worked at Guinness and you wanted to marry a Catholic, you had to hand in your resignation. (gasps) Whoa. Yeah. And... um, According to Thomas Malloy in The Irish Independent, it had no qualms about selling drink to Catholics, but it did everything it could to avoid employing them until the 1960s.
1: Oh 60s. my God. Yeah.
2: So that's like huge swathes of the actual Irish population were completely bolted out of actually working for this company that was supposed to represent what the notion of Irishness was. Which yeah. wow. is so fucked up. And I really didn't know any of this. This is not something that is talked about in Ireland at all. I didn't know any of this till this morning. Like,
0: which is mad to me. The Guinness like dynasty as well is very sort of a lot of the descendants are now like fashion models and very upper class. Oh, yeah, English. well, I guess there was yeah. twenty one kids, like there's a lot of descendants yeah, to choose yeah, yeah, from. Yeah. yeah.
2: So yeah, uh, and then there's the advertising as well, uh, which is like Guinness is good
1: for you, Guinness is strength and everything. And the fact that um, they said for ages that Guinness was good for pregnant women. Yeah, yeah
2: they did. The um, Guinness is good for pregnant women thing came from the fact that uh, Guinness has small quantities of iron in it, right. but like to the point where you'd have to like drink three pints of Guinness to equate to <laughs> the yolk of one egg.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and that would sure. kind of counteract the whole... <laughs> yeah. I um, mean, when you're pissed and pregnant, it's not good luck. <laughs>
2: Um, however it does have Antioxidants in it um, You know how they say That red wine And chocolate And stuff have as Antioxidants yeah. Oh sure Apparently the, um, Out of all those Kind of like Bullshitty categories Guinness is the Best for that Oh okay So that's something um, But the most Fascinating thing I found out about Guinness is that In 2007 Ireland stopped Being the Chief seller Of or enjoyer Of Guinness Guess who replaced it America, America? Africa
1: Really it What It
2: is fucking huge In Africa yeah, Guinness, and I'm not just being like you know terrible and ignorant in calling Africa a country across the continent. It is hugely popular, particularly in Nigeria.
1: Oh. That is, but it's I would not even. I've never thought that you don't even drink it cold, and like Africa in general has a lot of hot countries. Yeah, I get.
2: I mean, I guess, um, I, which is because I, you know, I live in a in a part of London that has a huge kind of. Um, uh, African population, and I have noticed that there are lots of blokes. Not that I thought I like, heard was like there are a huge amount of blokes ah. drinking Guinness there all the time. Because um, I've chatted to loads of them about it, um, so it's very very strange. And and the other thing is, so you know, it happened in, in the normal way in that like it was a company that just distributed to all the British colonial places, uh, so that's yeah. why. They got it. Right. Um, but then even in the 1960s, after Nigeria got rid of the English there and got, came under their own rule, they kept Guinness and it remained incredibly popular. And yeah, they they sort of, Nigerians in particular, think of Guinness as being their national beer.
1: Wow. Yeah.
2: And uh, they started this whole advertising campaign. Um, so Guinness gives you strength was the was the European yeah. tagline. The African tagline was Guinness for power, and out of that they created this character called Michael Power. So essentially, like we were talking before about like Tony the Tiger and all that kind of stuff, they created this character to go along with their brand. And this guy, he was essentially Jason Bourne or James Bond. He was like this journalist. He was he was like a really handsome black man, always dressed in black, um, intelligent but also very strong. Like, and he was in the series of short films, like short ads. Um, created by Sachi and Sachi because they wanted to increase the sales of Guinness in those territories. Um, and it beca- became incredibly popular. Like he was like this this icon within advertising. And, it w- and he wasn't just used in Africa as well. He was used in any territories where there was a lot of black African people. And if you think about it, when you see black people in advertising, there are so much of it, they're they're very kind of white or something, or either their blackness is made a joke out of, or they're like, they do use very light-skinned people or it's about, lightening them or about making you know what I mean it's always yeah, yeah. very icky that way but here was like this um, this African man who was incredibly intelligent like an incredibly good role model who people were encouraged to see more of themselves in and he was sort of associated with the darkness of the drink as well Whoa. and uh, they, it was so popular to the extent that he was in his own feature film called Critical Assignment which is essentially oh. just like a boring film you can watch the movie it's on YouTube I'm gonna do this it's, it's I mean yeah it's really interesting the whole thing And the campaign totally worked. It led, like, Guinness now leads the African beer market by 50%.
0: (gasps) That's astonishing. Advertising is beguiling.
1: (laughs) Well, that was fascinating and far too intelligent, I think, Caroline. Uh, So now it's time for our smart lesson. Hooray! And this week, it's about how to expand your portfolio. So once you're a smart woman, it's important to keep up your profile, we all know, by expanding into a series of less and less relevant industries. Because Alex, if you're the CEO of a company, but you don't have a clothing line, then have you really done enough to actually matter?
0: I'd say absolutely categorically not. No, you're not reaching enough people. Think about your reach. Reach more. No. I mean, you could sort of find an alternative fuel source. But if you're not writing children's books. Yeah, exactly. Who are you? What are you doing? Why do you matter? No, you
1: don't. Mm -mm. So for today's smart lesson, we've come up with a foolproof way to expand your portfolio in a way that looks legitimate and not like you're just some serial hobbyist who isn't having sex enough. Caroline, do you want to take us through the methodology? I would, Hannah. So expanding your portfolio
2: means you have to add an extra string in your bow. And ideally, you want to have so many strings on your bow that you look like you're carrying around a fucking harp. <laughs> so the typical rookie error here is that your second career is like way too similar to your first career.
0: Okay.
2: Like, you know, a woman who's worked in banking then writes a book about banking. Like, that's boring. No one cares about that.
0: Yeah, I'd like. I'd rather read the Ryanair in-flight magazine than that banking book. Exactly. So
2: what you need to do is you have to create a portfolio wheel, which, you know, you work the same as a colour wheel. So at the top of the wheel, you write your profession. And then for every segment, the following that, you put in a career that you know increasingly nothing about. Right. So my profession is writing. And on the opposite end of the wheel, I would put something completely unassociated with that, like horse vet. Got you. Okay. Yep. And then next to writing would be like teaching English as a foreign language, and Mm. next to horse vet would be like blacksmith. Right. right? So you work your way around to. Mm -hmm. Or you can like combine different things. You can take something you know a little bit about mix with something you know nothing about, or if you're feeling really dangerous, just go for something you know nothing about.
1: Oh, so you can go from horse vet to child vet to children's books. (gasps) Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yes. Well done. So basically, you could—I mean, for your in your instance, you could combine two of them, and you could announce to your Twitter followers that you now teach English to horses. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. yeah. Or that you nail shoes on to foreigners,
0: which is just Brexit, isn't it? Yeah. I think that's yeah. what we voted for, yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: yeah. Exactly. Well, what would you, your career wheel look like, Hannah? Um, well, my career is editing podcasts and looking unapproachable. Mm-hmm. So on the other side of my career wheel would be um, like cookbooks, I guess. Yeah. Can yeah, because you have to be super approachable. Yeah. yeah. And you're uh, not approachable. Yeah. You're very scary. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but I don't know if I'm beautiful enough to have a cookbook because people really only want to eat beautiful people. So I think uh,
2: you're beautiful enough to eat, Anna. I would okay. eat you
0: out. <laughs> <laughs> and I think really that if you have a cookbook, they just give you special shiny shampoo and then you're allowed. Okay, yeah. fine. And then
1: yeah. 90% of it is salad anyway. So you're going to be skinny because you have to test the recipes. Probably. Oh, yeah. 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 yeah and yeah. laughing
0: while holding a bowl. Yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so like my career is comedian, so I guess for my portfolio extender, I'd have to do something that pays well, has regular hours, and is no fun. Yeah, so like any job. Uh, okay, I actually am currently in the lookout for any job. I am just an odd job man now. Um, so please tweet me if you've heard of one. Um, I've I've heard of something called filing. Yeah. Um, okay. Which sounds quite generic and sort you of stable. You can file. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I'm a dab hand at a fax machine. Very so good. Ooh. Really, you know. So Cracking on. Top of the C V. It's niche, so it should be, you know, in demand. Um other other ideas, guys? What do you think we should what do people what do people extend their portfolio with? Things like clothing lines?
1: Yeah, clothing lines, uh sportswear, homeware mm. as well. Oh yeah. Production company. Oh yeah, if you're an yeah. actor, they always have one of them. Drew Barrymore's
0: Magnolia yeah. pictures. Jennifer yeah. Anderson has a production company, which I can only assume is like a big room with loads of shit scripts about women being broken up with (laughs) and they all have dogs yeah yeah so
1: that's it for another week of condensing wikipedia articles and adding jokes to them we hope by now you can advertise drinks globally and then drink them out of your tights we'd like to thank harry harris for our jingles gavin day for our logo and soho radio studios for allowing us to record here plus kelly martin laura and emily for buying us coffees this week on ko-fi.com You are keeping the wheels of this enormous media machine going and you will not be forgotten once our global regime is complete. Goodbye. Bye. One of the wheels has fallen off. (laughs)